Wouldn't it be nice to know the entire interview process before applying for a software developer job? Wouldn't it be nice to know what you'd be working on on a day-to-day basis before applying for your next role? Have you ever thought, or are you currently thinking, I just want to find all the companies that are looking for my skill set that pay for all my health insurance and let me work remote, maybe even get a little equity. Well, guess what? That's exactly why we built GoldenSquirrel.io. We have over 1,500 companies in our database and are adding more daily. And after each one of these episodes, we archive the interview process and the tech the companies use to make them searchable for you when you're ready for your next opportunity, or if you just want to see what's out there. GoldenSquirrel.io, with your help, we're on a mission to change the hiring process by highlighting great companies that embrace transparency to attract today's top engineering talent. On today's episode, we have Dave DiCaprio, who is the CTO and co-founder at CloseLoop.ai. We dive into some of the issues that he identified in healthcare, and it really seems like his whole career has really led up to the role that he currently has now as CTO of CloseLoop. So we'll dive into some stories that their technology is having in real life with real patients at real hospitals and healthcare facilities, as well as dive into some opportunities they're looking for as they expand their team. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Chasing Squirrels. On today's episode, we have Dave DiCaprio, the CTO and co-founder at CloseLoop.ai. How are you doing today, Dave? Great. Great. Awesome. So from a quick or from a high level, I guess, can you kind of give us a rough idea of what it is that uh, Closed Loop is what you guys are working on? We'll dive more into it in a little bit, but just from a high level, I'm curious. Yeah, from a company perspective, Closed Loop makes a data science platform that's built specifically and exclusively for healthcare. So we're our goal is to bring like the same level of machine learning and AI that's used to drive decisions and what ads to show you and uh, what news articles to show you and, and get that into healthcare. Um, so we have a data platform and automated machine learning and then a library of healthcare specific content that sits on top of that and work with healthcare organizations to help them build and deploy machine learning models. Awesome. So I kind of want to back our way into that and going through your experience and what led you to Closed Loop. Um, So can you give us kind of a a high level overview of where you started and kind of your journey to Closed Loop? Yeah, I think in some ways, my whole career kind of gradually led led to uh, Closed Loop. I, I, just quickly, I started back in the 90s doing operations research and enterprise supply chain stuff for a company called I2 Technologies. Um, that was really fun. It was a wild ride through the internet boom. Uh, when that internet boom kind of crashed in 2001, I was in Boston, opportunity to work on the Human Genome Project at MIT. Okay. And so uh, was kind of done with enterprise software at that point in time and then thought, oh, this I'm very excited. So that was like a great project. We were um, working on sort of mapping all of known biology onto these new genome sequences that were coming. And that's when I kind of discovered uh, what we called pattern detection back then. Uh, we got better at marketing and then it became machine learning. <laughs> and then it became AI. But, uh, you know, at, at the time we were, you know, started doing this pattern detection stuff and got very interested in that and building the sort of platform we were trying to use to run a lot of algorithms at scale in the genome. Um, I did that for a few years. Got Real quick, I have a question about about the pattern matching. So now maybe people think about it in terms of libraries, maybe in Python, we'll help you identify some of those patterns. 
what was it back then that you guys used as tools to kind of identify some of those or to kind of, you know, like make that into a thing? Yeah, there was, there was a lot of bio. So that was that whole realm of bioinformatics, like on the genome, uh, analyzing the genome. And there was a whole like bunch of tools that all popped up and there was blast and hammer and the, all these kind of very specific bioinformatics tools. Some of them were written in C++, some of them were written in Perl. Um, I think things kind of maybe gradually got to Python over a while. Um, but, you know, that, that was back a long time ago before many of these tools existed. You know, there was no big data platform at the time. So even just dividing up and distributing jobs across a cluster, we, a lot of that stuff we ended up just building all ourselves because the platforms didn't exist to be able to do it at the time. Right. Okay. I was just curious. And then where'd you go from the genome project? So I, I, the genome project was wonderful. I also felt like, wow, this is going to be a really long time before this. (laughs) (laughs) This is pretty low level. And so I went into, um, I sort of moved into drug discovery, still staying at MIT and we were doing high throughput drug discovery. So that was, um, we were building a robotic system to do high throughput computational chemistry and, and biology experiments. And so that was really fun. Um, there was a lot of, again, it was sort of a lot of big data in this case generated by robots that were doing hundreds of thousands of little tiny experiments every day um, and all the data analysis off of that. So, um, and it was great. We were working on infectious disease, you know, trying to uh, find new malaria treatments and things. So, I uh, was really excited to be working on on that. It felt a lot, uh, uh, a lot more tangible than that than, than the genome. Uh, although right. the statistical problems are a little not as clean. Um, I from there, I, the problem with drug discovery is like you have to be really okay with failure. I you know you you it is really hard to make a brand new molecule that you put inside of a human being and. Like not only doesn't kill them, but actually cures some disease or solves some problem. Um, I appreciate the people who work in that. You can slave away for 20 years. People had very successful careers in pharma and they never develop a single drug. I, that wasn't for me. I, I need a little bit quicker turnaround. So I started working. I was going to say, that's a pretty long uh, cycle as well. Just like the genome one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it was fat, maybe a little faster than the genome, but, <laughs> but still when I got into it and just, you know, the, the I mean, the failure rate, you know, it's 99.999% failure rate on, on drug discovery. Um, uh, it's amazing. It ever works at all. Really. Once you, once you look <laughs> at all the problems there are. Um, and so I started and, and I also started thinking about like, is the problem with healthcare really that we don't have enough pills like, is that, are we just like, if we just had one or two more pills, we'd be all set in the U.S. with, with fixing the healthcare system. And so I, I didn't feel like, well, that's not the problem with healthcare. So I started thinking about what the problems were in healthcare and particularly what the problems were that I could do something about um, and, and kind of came on this idea of like, hey, we're not using all the information to make all the right decisions. Um, we're not... It's, it, it's not that a lot of the treatments are there. It's that the right treatment isn't being applied to the right patient at the right time, or we're not making the right decisions. So, um, or the system is kind of broken. And so I uh, ended up, uh, started working with electronic medical records and, and 
some insurance companies and hospitals. And that started about 10 years ago. And that was really when I realized, oh, this is what I want to do. Um, I was still doing this machine learning and AI stuff, but now on sort of real patient records. And then that got me very excited. And then, you know, I did that for several years in a variety of different roles. And then in 2017, we founded Closely, uh, which basically is a, you know, kind of a platform that wrapped up everything we learned and uh, enables other organizations to do that same stuff quickly. What was it about the 10 years that you kind of spent in the system? Because that's a pretty unique experience, being able to see kind of all the parts and which parts are adding to the, you know, the everyday consumer probably says it's a lot of cost like the cost going up is the huge problem, or maybe the obvious thing is systems not talking to each other essentially for the same person because you have to fill the same thing out all the time. I'm curious what your perspective was from a high level, and then that kind of led into the closed loop. Uh, what can I do about it? Right. There, uh, so, so I, mean, I mean, I know there's a lot of things wrong with it. <laughs> so. Right. So that's it. It's that's an important thing. You know, I think humility is so important if you're going to go work in healthcare. I see all these like tech companies. Yeah, we're going to go change healthcare. Like, healthcare is 20% of the US GDP. Um, and it's broken in like many, many fundamental ways. A lot of the, you know, up until a few years ago, a lot of records were still kept on paper. Um, the incentive structures set up are not always, don't always have things aligned. Um, there's a lot of room for fraud, waste, and abuse. Medicine is just really hard. Um, like it's like the human beings are incredibly complicated. So it's really, you know, it's just a hard problem and we're learning new stuff all the time. And so, you know, I, I think an important thing with healthcare is like, you, you can step back, but you, you can't step back too far because you'll never be able to fix all the problems. You got to sort of narrow in. And I think, definitely, you know, one of the things we looked at was, um, it, it, really a lot, a lot of our, our workflows are in and our customers are dealing in something called population health. And a lot of that is about moving towards more, more proactive care. Um, and so trying to identify who are the people who are not doing some of the preventative maintenance uh, care steps that they should be doing um, and getting them in earlier and trying to solve problems before they get too bad. It, if you're trying to fix healthcare by like, once a person's in the hospital, it's too late. There's no way to figure out how to make a hospital visit less expensive. The answer has to be, we have to keep people out of the hospital. We have to keep people from getting sick in the first place. And so that's kind of where we try to focus is like, how do you find little things that are going to be big things, um, the little problems that are going to be big problems and solve them when they're still little, little problems. And that's a great area where AI and machine learning can actually help. It's good at making predictions about, hey, this thing is going to get bad. This thing is probably going to be okay. And so that's where we've tried to focus. Um, I, it is not necessarily the biggest or the only problem in healthcare, but it's one we could do something about. And the great thing is healthcare is so broken um, that, that it's not hard to find a place to try to something, you know, to find a good place <laughs> to fix something. That's awesome. So can you give me kind of a real life example of uh, how you what the machine learning that you guys do would help uh, the clients of a particular hospital or healthcare facility that are customers? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I always like to measure our impact in terms of, of the effect we have on patients. There's a lot of stuff we do on cost savings and efficiency and everything, but really, um, 
and we do those and those are valuable in building a business. But, you know, one of the things, one of our favorite stories was a Medicaid uh, group that we work with in Chicago that uh, works to provide extra community resources and extra sort of care management and guidance to underserved communities. And they had a set of rules that they were using prior to dealing with closed loop to sort of identify people who needed extra care. They started using our algorithms and uh, they pulled us aside one day. They pulled the care manager, uh, head of care management, pulled our CEO aside at a conference and said, look, we started using your algorithms and it pulled out this 15 year old kid in Chicago um, and highlighted him as high risk. And, and normally that's pretty unusual. 15-year-old kids don't usually show up as high risk. Usually it's somebody who's older, has more health problems, they're pretty sick. Um, what it identified was a diagnosis of suicidal ideation in their history. This is a 15-year-old kid who was thinking about killing himself. That wasn't in their rules. That was not any rule anybody had written down. So that kid would have completely fallen through the cracks. Uh, our software highlighted it. They got the kid. He had um, child. He was in the foster care service. Um, child protective service had intervened. They were able to get him the help he needed. He was someone who was completely going to fall through the cracks otherwise. Um, and we were able to identify this is somebody who needed some help and, and you know, take a kid who was thinking about committing suicide and getting this help. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, makes us really excited. And definitely if you do that, it ends up being a good business. It ends up reducing costs. It ends up um, improving outcomes. Everybody's more economically productive and they're happier and they make more money when they're healthy. Um, Again, not that there's anything wrong with the drug discovery, but this seems way more rewarding in the the outcome-based impact of what you're building, right? You know, I like... Again, like I, I laud the people who can work for 15 years and, you know, to take somebody who's got a terminal cancer and can cure that, that's wonderful. I can't, I don't have the patience for that. I, I love the ability to make these other, um, you know, to come in and have these kinds of effects and find people in situations, you know, some, the kinds of things we'll look for is people who maybe aren't taking their medication and maybe they had some side effect and they stopped taking it or they have an economic issue. They can't afford their medication, identifying those people, reaching out to them and helping them to remove that barrier that's preventing them from taking their medication before they stop taking their blood pressure medication and end up in the hospital. You know, you, right. a, an insurance company can remove a $15 copay from somebody, get them to take their medicine. And now they've avoided a $15,000 hospital visit. Um, if you can find the right people, that's the right decision every time. Um, but you got to be able to find it. And that's what we work on. So I love it. That, that's great. That's a great story. So I'm curious, you kind of said the uh, way that your customer worked with or found this patient was they took your algorithms and kind of plugged it into their system. Is that kind of how your software works is you guys kind of have this uh, machine learning product that they kind of plug into what their existing platform or data set ends up being? Yep. Yep. So um, we have a cloud hosted SaaS platform um, where we'll connect in with our customers systems. We get the data and then we run, we, we help them build machine learning algorithms uh, to, to spot all these kind of different cases. And a lot of this ends up 
it's not a case where we have the one master model that we've learned that knows everything. Um, it's, you know, healthcare is still pretty difficult. And so it's about helping them experiment and understand and figure out exactly um, what the right model is to solve their problem. Um, and, and yeah, so every customer, we work with their data, we build operational things. So every day they're, we're getting in new data and giving them back alerts on the people that are interested in. That's awesome. So it's kind of customized each customer based on what it is that their data set entails and what problems are kind of trying to solve. Yep. Yep. So we're definitely a software company. So there's a software platform that everybody is running on, but what, you know, but that software platform is a platform for building machine learning models. So we're able to experiment pretty quickly, but the, the end result that everybody gets is, you know, a model that's tuned to their data and their population and their question. Awesome. So I saw you guys just raised a pretty large round like a month or so ago. So I assume it's time to start hiring some more people to join the team. Yeah. So we, um, we won a pretty large contest. The Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the federal government agency that runs Medicare, they launched this $1.6 million uh, AI competition a couple of years ago. 400 teams entered IBM, Watson, the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, um, Deloitte, uh, and we won the whole thing. It took two years. Um, <laughs> It was, it was, you know, we were a seven person startup when we did the first application. We were hoping to just get nominated. And then over the course of the two years, uh, um, we won for building, you know, explainable AI. Um, so, so that win led to uh, the funding that we got uh, about a month ago. And now we're really expanding the team in, in every area, um, looking for, you know, data scientists to help on the machine learning side. And then Definitely engineers to build the core platform, um, you know, and that's both front end and back end engineers. So I'm curious, I'll split that into two just for uh, simplicity's sake. On the software engineering side, is there a particular tech stack that you guys use on your front end and back end? And then for your data science stuff, what stack do you guys use for that that stuff as well? Yep. Uh, so the, the front end is React front end, um, you know, pretty modern set of technologies there. Uh, on the back end, a lot of the core data processing we do is built on Apache Spark. Uh, so that's written in Scala. So a lot of the back end components are written in Scala. Um, and the machine learning pieces are written in Python. Um, so those are all sort of different components. We, we do a lot of stuff with Apache Spark that is uh, uh, pretty detailed. We do. We, <laughs> Uh, we're, we're very much into, you know, exactly how the plans are made. We're, we have special optimizations that are on top of Spark, sort of using all of their extensions and plugins. And that's a key piece of sort of what makes our technology tick. Um, and yeah, on the data science side, it's, you know, mostly Python. And then we have a, um, we actually have as part of our data processing, this sort of uh, language we use for the data manipulation make, to, to do a lot of the healthcare specific kind of data manipulation things that you need to do. Um, okay. And so, uh, you know, our data scientists use that as part of our Python API and, and, uh, and then standard you know, Python data science tools. So for those people that uh, you end up hiring for those, uh, we'll stick with the data science side for just a, a sec. So yep. let's say they know um, Apache Spark and uh, love what your mission, and then you bring them on. What would they actually be working on for the next like six to twelve months? Would they be helping individual clients or building out 
additional models or what's that look like? Yeah. So on the, on the sort of the, uh, yeah, sticking on the data science, they're usually working with our clients. So um, some of our clients have their own data science team and build their own. Um, they, they just use our software, but many of them, you know, they're, our data scientists are talking with the clients, trying to figure out what it is, what is the question they're trying to answer and what's the right model to build to give them the right people. And then building the models, understanding their data. Everything we do is explainable AI and healthcare explainability is not like a nice to have, oh, it's good if you can explain the model. Like it, um, it's absolutely critical to everything we do because mostly we're trying to enable decisions, a human decision. And so, um, you know, working with our clients to figure out the explainability piece and making sure that we're building models that when we produce explanations, those explanations are meaningful and actionable to the customers. That's a big piece of it. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the data normalization, we have very good tools to do a lot of the sort of, you know, tweaking hyperparameters we have very well automated. And so like our data scientists are really focused on, you know, trying to put together the whole package and really get to a deployed model that's up and running and that people actually trust. So, um, yeah, the data scientists who like that aspect of the problem, uh, you know, really love working with us. I mean, I have to imagine they like the fact that, uh, you've got some parameters to clean some of the data and do some of that work. Cause that's usually the least fun, non-glamorous part of the job. Right. 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 I, you know, we always, I, there's a lot of companies that do this automated machine learning and many of them are doing, it, it's the data cleanup and the data prep. Everybody knows that's where all the time is spent. It's also really hard to automate. But the trick we did is we said, we're just going to be healthcare. It's really hard to automate in a completely general way. If you can say, hey, we're going to automate data cleanup for healthcare data, for electronic medical records and billing data, then you can start to make some traction and build some tools. So um, that's where we focus. And, and yeah, you know, we can, when we started, our, our tagline was that we could build a model in 24 hours. Between getting a customer data and getting our first result, we could do that in 24 hours. Um, and so, and, and that was really because of all the automation we built around that. That's awesome. That's not to be taken for granted. So you guys built all those internally, all those tools? Yeah, I mean, you know, the machine learning stuff is built on the same open source machine learning tools that everybody else in the world uses. Um, and so, you know, being able to build on open source stuff like Apache Spark and, and uh, XGBoost and Scikit-Learn, those are all very helpful. Uh, but then there's a lot of stuff that we build on top of those to make it all work and to deal with all the data correctly. How do you uh, conduct the interview process when you're looking for data engineers? Uh, yeah, our interview process, we have, you know, usually have an upfront call and make sure that there, sure. there's kind of a fit after, after we review resumes. Um, and then we have a coding exercise that we have people do. Um, you know, it's designed to be sort of a one sitting take home where we send it to you, get the result back. That helps us get a standardized kind of view of, of people's coding skills. And then, uh, you know, two, two more Zoom interviews or uh, maybe three, uh, depending on the position. And then uh, we can usually make a decision at that point. I try to keep the whole process to under a week. Um, it, it, you know, it, we know the conversations we need to have to, to vet somebody and right. try to get through those as quick as possible. That's awesome. So are you guys currently 
do you have an office that's located somewhere or are you fully yeah. remote or <laughs> what's everybody's situation's all weird now. So. Right. Right. So uh, yeah, the, the engineering team is essentially all virtual. We do have an office. We signed a four year lease in January <laughs> of 2020. So two months before COVID hit, we signed a four year lease. We have a beautiful office space in uh, in Austin, right on the river uh, on East Riverside in Austin. Um, we do have that office is open and we have people who go into it. Um, um, but you know, and, and when COVID hit, we were all located in Austin since then, you know, we've tripled the size of the company and most of those people have been remote and, um, you know, and now we're very committed to a remote model. Awesome. Is there, uh, anything else that you'd like to share culture wise or anything else about close, close loop AI? Um, you know, I think the most important cultural element for us is that, you know, the healthcare is the business we're in. And I think that's essential to kind of what we do. Everybody at the company is really committed to doing meaningful work. Uh, I think, you know, the, the thing that gets me up and excited every morning is like, I don't have any trade-offs about like, should I do something good for the world or should I make money or should I do right? Like I've, tried to wrap all those things into one. So I work super hard on fun technical problems that are a good business and make a really positive difference in the world. And so, um, you know, I think we try to keep that. We try to focus on problems that are, um, there are many things you can do in healthcare that, um, you know, aren't necessarily making the system better, but they might be a good business. And we really try to focus on those things that are uh, going to really improve the system and have good long-term effects for everybody. For data engineers that like to apply, where should, where's the best place for them to do so? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, you can find us on closed loop. Uh, we're doing all our hiring on LinkedIn now. So if you go to closed loop and hit on the job post page, we've got, I think six engineer positions posted up there. Um, and, and probably a couple of data science ones, along with product management and, and marketing and tons of other roles also. Awesome. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. I appreciate you coming on today, Dave. Cool. Great. Thanks a lot. For the opportunities that Dave mentioned in this episode, I will leave a link to the closed loop LinkedIn page so you can find all their current available opportunities. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Today's episode was sponsored by goldensquirrel.io. With your help, we're on a mission to change the hiring process by highlighting great companies that embrace transparency to attract today's top engineering talent. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 